0: Actually, stop it right there. Before we go further into this, we just want to put a disclaimer out there that this Champagne Comedy Podcast, this episode we've discussed and it is a tad sensitive. It's more than a product of its time. It is a, I don't know the exact wording for it, but yeah, this podcast is not part of Working Dog at all and all the stuff that did happen then is not really appropriate now and They would obviously know, but we're not spokespeople for it. But this is a review and critique podcast. And anything that we do mention, it's purely just as a retrospect. And times have changed, correct? Can I get a hell yeah from everyone?
1: (laughs) Hell yeah. You're on your own, man. Yeah, Yeah, thank you very much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And on that, we'll keep playing the theme song. Thank you, William Shakespeare, for your rendition of our theme. And welcome <laughs> to episode 13 of the Champagne Comedy Podcast, where we talk about the best Australian comedy show from the 90s ever made The Late Show and other Degeneration comedy tidbits. My name is Matt, and joining this podcast today is in alphabetical order Alison, Daniel, Kim, Prue, and Tony. Yay. Yay. Hello. Yay. Oh, this episode is a fantastic one, but also, a, we believe, a quite a controversial one when you kind of look back at it, but we'll get to that mm. later Standard on. And a tad raunchy. Yeah, very <laughs> good. <laughs> but we've got a lot going on in this episode. In fact... <clears> throat> throat> And we have one from Scott Murphy on Facebook. Uh, Scott is a regular. Uh, G'day, Scott. And he'd like to say that in episode 12 of the podcast, uh, you talked about whether any other sitcom families had episodes shot in Hawaii. The sitcom Growing Pains had an episode where the Siva family visited the island of Maui. So that would oh, be wow. part of Spaz family when they went to Hawaii. <laughs>
2: Important update
0: <laughs> yeah, <damn> straight, yeah
3: <laughs> you can't move in Hawaii for all the sitcom families that attend, <laughs> <laughs> and all the piano accordions it would seem
0: <laughs> and scotty boy seventy four on Twitter we don't know if that's Scott McPhee, but I apologize if it's one of the same or if it's separate. uh, he just wants to say good work on the episode 12, which we had Mason Hellcat as a very special guest, and he found a lot of the moments in episode 12 extremely funny. So it's taken us 12 episodes to at least get a giggle out of someone. I'm happy with that. I'll take that as a win. (laughs) I
4: think it's the same, Scott.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we usually play this towards the end of the show, but now I'm going to hijack the very beginning of it, and we've been holding a listener uh, Best quote comp. Here's what we've got so far with four entries.
5: I made love to her like a tiger. Like a tiger. a uh, Gray day from uh, Dominic. How are you? No, miss.
0: Mister. Ladies and gentlemen, do you believe in mental telepathy? No, I hear you think.
2: You <laughs> can say what you want about me. may maybe ugly, but least I'll never be as ugly as an angular Webber.
0: and now we have a new entry from Jeff What's All That About?
1: <laughs> Thanks <laughs> Jeff about
6: <laughs> Short and sweet Short and sweet Jeff Are we going to add Jeff's What's All That About to our rotation of wacky clips?
0: What's All That About? Damn straight we are. Exactly. Well done, Jeff. You (laughs) made it. And just to show that uh, we are actually serious about this competition, we have... Prizes! This is... I finally got a (laughs) build-up. So other than our Any Questions for Ben unopened DVD, which is worth more than the stuff that you mow on your grass, we also have uh, the book, Fake Tan second (laughs) hand thanks to Allison who's donated that one (laughs) there we go and also Degeneration bumper book of Aussie heroes and of course I am going to throw it in a copy of (laughs) Ripper (laughs) wow there we go. So we've now got four <laughs> items and we've got one more coming, which is being donated by someone, but I won't mention it until it actually arrives because if Australia Post screw it up, then, yeah, we've got nothing. So that's our prize.
2: I thought you guys were adding in a Guru Wayne.
0: Oh.
4: And any it? Any questions for Ben?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, if I find another copy of Guru Wayne... Unopened, then I'll add that in. So for the time being, it's just those four things officially. So thanks, Alison, for donating that. And uh, yeah, I I think Kim might keep her Sylvania's Water book. (laughs) I don't think anyone else could deal with that torture, right?
4: Um I told myself I'm not going to actually reference it this episode. <laughs> I need a little, little bit of a break.
3: Aww. Now, look, thank, thankfully, there's there's not too many Sylvania Waters references in that, in
0: episode thirteen. There's only one, but we'll mention that a bit later on in the show. You know what? It just shows that uh, what goes around comes around. Really, when it comes to anything that Late Show does, anything that mentions Olympics or I don't know, maybe a certain documentary that's going on in the world today, like Woody Allen, Mia Farrow, doco. that's one, <laughs> Which, you know, we've got a little snippet here of what it is.
2: I, I just can't live with
1: him anymore. Yeah.
0: Why is
3: that? <laughs> <It's> not <normal.
1: laughs> What's not
3: normal? I, I can't believe you would say that. when it comes to normal, I, I'm the winner of
1: the August
0: Street. Yeah, and that goes on for a little while. Late show did it Yeah, (laughs) Of course with the announcement of uh, the potential host of the Olympic Games in Australia being Brisbane in 2032 Everyone went straight to the whole Port Moresby But I do actually have a little bit of a clip of when the IOC decided to approach Australia Saying hey you might want Brisbane to apply for it
6: Greetings members of the International Olympic Committee <laughs> Beef oh. of Australia
0: extends the rural hand of friendship no sorry, not Dubbo.
6: There is one other very important update that we have forgotten and and that is we had a, another bit of correspondence on Twitter from um frequent correspondent happy Slasher, who points out that the handy church that was in the previous episode was in fact located in Elsenwick. And I don't know if this is still possible in Australia, but if you go onto Google Maps and you search for St. Joseph Catholic Church, Elstonwig, you will see what, what I'm pretty confident is, in fact, the Handy Church.
0: It's great <laughs> to know that the most obscure places are still being known by at least one or two people out there. And we're not going crazy, at least. So thanks, Happy Slasher, for responding and letting us know about that.
1: It makes you
2: wonder if they were aware of what the material was going to be when they allowed them to come down and film. Oh, pretty full
0: <laughs> They see the sketch out and go, are oh, you kidding me, right? That's a bit blasphemous. Hey, God.
6: <laughs> I suppose if they, you know, put $50 into the collection bowl, then it's just Yeah, all right, off
0: you go. And also, if you're listening to this podcast or this episode before March 15, 2021, the Revelation Film Festival in Perth is holding a screening of The Dish, of Waking Dogs to Dish, at the backlot Perth on March 15. So if you want to check out more information on that, just go to their Twitter, REV underscore film underscore fest. So it's REV underscore film underscore fest. So there's a little plug there. And now after all that, We have Daniel. Have you got your program guide ready to go? Yeah,
3: and this is from the Melbourne Age. Um, I pick Melbourne because uh, that's where uh, The Late Show comes uh, from uh, each and every Saturday night. Uh, and on Saturdays, uh, Ross Warnicki would do the Critics Guide to the Weekends TV, which basically means he has to put in his own persnickety comments next to all the listings. So, uh, on Channel 7 up against uh, Episode 13, uh, we've got the movie Real Men from 1987, a Woeful espionage spoof starring James Belushi as a CIA as a CIA spy recruiting John Ritter for an assignment which goes wrong uh, then on channel 9 uh, earlier in the night on hey hey we had uh, John Stevens uh, with the chorus from Jesus Christ Superstar Tommy Emmanuel, Ali Fowler, Vince Sorrenti and Elliot Goblet and that was uh, <laughs> yeah I know. I know, some usual suspects there, I think. Uh, and that was followed at 8.30 by the 1989 thriller Frantic. Uh, Harrison Ford is superb in this good thriller about an American doctor whose wife is kidnapped in Paris. His only lead is a strange, flighty young woman played by Emmanuel Signer. The story is okay, but Roman Polanski's direction tends to be contrived and we are left to wonder what Hitchcock would have done with it. So, yes, speaking of yeah, problematic elements, my goodness, Roman Polanski. <laughs> On Channel 10, uh, we've got the 1983 action drama Uncommon Valour. Uh, says Warnicky, the notion that the Reds still are holding American prisoners of war in Indochina has been largely discredited, but in this inane macho flick, Gene Hackman uh, raises a private force to rescue his son, whom he suspects is being held by the commies then second last we've got on sbs uh the 1972 german historical drama aguirre wrath of god no. Klaus kinski is brilliant as aguirre the megalomaniacal spanish conquistador searching for el dorado rip roaring action from director uh, werner herzog um, who also directed another movie that was up against episode seven the enigma of Kaspar hauser and then last of all on the um, ABC, before the late show, we've got the last episode of the season of Alexi Sales Stuff. No. Yeah, I know. So that means oh, last will I do without <laughs> really? the <this> fat bastard <laughs> Alexi Sale. What'll I do? Oh. Yeah. yeah. Well, the answer is you won't laugh as much. Um. (laughs) Well, look,
1: if
7: you want
3: to know uh, whether uh, next episode we do finally see Birds of the Feather or whether we see something else, look, you'll just have to find out next episode. (laughs) How's that for sizzle? sizzle. That's fantastic sizzle. (laughs) then at 10 o'clock the late show um, and we get another mini critique from Ross Warnicke so he puts down there quote, rarely clever and generally crass live comedy show, maybe the new <laughs> Sylvania Waters funniest home video segment will help, unquote so, so either oh, he's God. been hate watching which I, I, think he, I think he really is a hate watcher of this show <laughs> or he was tuning in for order in the house and managed to catch the last five minutes
4: I like to think he was hate watching (laughs)
3: Uh, Then after The Late Show At 11 o'clock, Order in the House And at midnight, Rage featuring The finals, and that's it
0: Thank you, Daniel We'll get into Season 1, Episode 13 of The Late Show Broadcast Saturday, October seventeenth, 1992 And, oh, deja vu all over again, right? This is uh, at the time (laughs) of recording this Uh, The opening is the US presidential debate with Now, Rob Sitch is on fire with this, <laughs> yes. he, he does everything in this. He's the he plays President Bush, Governor Clinton, Mr. Perot, and the voiceover. So <laughs> yeah,
2: this is Yeah, yeah.
0: So <laughs> this was just pure gold, and unfortunately, does not make the best bits DVD and all that. But I could say this is one of the best things that Rob has actually produced. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Very good. It's, it's very good, yeah. I think Rob Perot is one of those um historical figures that you'd have no, like, remem- you wouldn't remember it at all, except for the fact that we sort of grew up watching Rob Sitch impersonate him. And so you sort of go, oh, yeah, Rob Perot. I remember that guy. Ross, Ross. Perot.
0: <laughs>
6: Other
0: than
1: puppy
6: pants. <laughs> There's a lot of references to Ross Perot in The Simpsons as well. Like... Um, Ross Perot, wasn't he into, like, um, euthanasia or or something? He was into sort of slightly wacky kind of, um, yeah, let's just kill people who are useless for society type. type
5: (laughs) He was a a businessman who just decided he wanted to be president because George Bush wasn't right-wing enough for him. And he had all (laughs) these really nutty beliefs, but because he also had a house full of money... He just you know was used to everyone going along with him and then yeah he just showed up and said i'm going to be your president and the voters said no you're not
6: <laughs> they didn't do in 2016 but anyway mm.
0: so unless you want to go into any detail on the u.s presidential debate such as you know saying the american people six times it, it was
5: interesting i thought that I, I hadn't remembered that Bill Clinton was so accurately pegged as a ladies' man right <laughs> from the start. i yeah. kind of thought that had sort of bubbled along over his presidency, but clearly, before he even showed up, everyone just knew he's a, he was a pants man. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, in this in the sketch, like yeah, he's asked to to uh, he's told that he's got one minute to chat up the female member of the questioning panel. And replies, I can do it in 20.
1: Yeah.
6: (laughs) Yeah. I've done it in 15. Yeah. There's a a lot to like about this sketch. You know, Ross Perot has, Ross Perot is quite a short man. And so he, you know, Rob kind of plays on that by having him not quite up to the level of the lectern. So he keeps kind of jumping up like this. (laughs) And also he's got these big kind of Prince Charles plastic ears on. Um, I, I can't remember if Ross Perot actually had big ears. I assume he did. But but one of the things that I really, really enjoyed about this, being a slightly cynical left-wing type person, is that any time there's a candidate for election who's even slightly left-wing, they're instantly branded a communist. And so you have um, George, George H.W. Bush kind of lowers a kind of Russian communist flag behind Bill Clinton when he's just talking about something pretty innocuous. So... <laughs> yeah. I thought that was quite a, a neat piece of political satire, which just kind of goes to show that, you know, slightly left-wing people have been branded as communists for years, not just recently. And, and though they
4: changed the- his name to Comrade Clinton as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Calling them Comrade, all these kind of commie slur- slurs mm-hmm. that they Labour well, or you
5: know, Democrat. It was an actual thing for that election that Bill Clinton had gone to Russia as a student And supposedly that was enough to make him a communist dupe that he had gone on like (laughs) a high school debating trip or something. But I did remember that was a a big deal in the election. They really sort of pushed that he'd sold out America by acknowledging Russia existed in 1980 or something. Ooh.
6: (laughs) (laughs) You bastard (laughs) people.
2: It was pretty funny when uh, Rob threw the... The
3: grappling hook to the end. I think
2: I'll yeah. get there. I'll get
1: there. Just give me a minute.
3: <laughs> the other thing I've got to add is that Ross Warnicke loved this sketch because he wrote about it in The Green Guide the following week.
0: Oh, finally, mm. they won him over.
3: Well, yeah, like he, he puts this in pretty much as uh, an aside to critiquing Tonight Live uh, in New York. Uh, which he absolutely hated. Uh, but he, he puts in this um, about The Late Show. Uh, the US elections provided plenty of fodder for comics last week. I keep watching DJ's Late Show on the ABC every Saturday in the hope that it will improve. And last week, it did. Their send-up of the presidential debates was one of the funniest things on TV this year.
2: Oh, God. Wow. This guy. So there we
3: go. Ross finally likes something, and we we can confirm that he's hate-watching. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Warnocky is just the guy that gets up in the morning and has a bowl of all bran with, you know, water from the tap. He's just (laughs) a horrible guy, isn't
6: he? I hope he's not alive.
3: I think he has passed away.
1: Yeah,
6: Uh, I I believe so. Oh, no, he missed out on all the lockdowns. That's what he's...
0: (laughs) Yeah, he died in 2006.
1: Well,
6: that's
3: that's brought it down.
2: Yeah, but you can't slander the dead. That's the important point. Exactly.
3: (laughs) Well, we'll say whatever we 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 like about him from now on. As if if you would sue us, for saying, we reckon you're a hate watcher.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We have the opening titles, and straight after the regular titles, we have the opening remarks, and it's all about Madonna's new sex book.
4: There were some great lines in this bit, wasn't there? Yeah. Oh, some classics. I think yeah. I owned that Who Weekly. That was quite a um, popular time when people were just rushed to find out exactly what Madonna yeah. was on about. But there were some really interesting scenes. Uh, my favourite being um, putting the bins out,
1: <laughs> yes. yes. recycling
4: recyclables.
2: <laughs> my favourite bit was uh, how how do I get to the floral clock? Oh, that was <laughs> she's a good egg.
6: What <laughs> <laughs> wasn't the story with her shooting these? pictures that she would just kind of drive around in, in a limo or something and then she'd suddenly get out with the photographer just topless or whatever she was wearing and, and they'd take the picture and then they'd jump back into the car and off they'd go and do another one or something so so that's how they got some of those locations including the, the floral clock one which looks like it's sort of shot on a medium strip
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> So we have Mick and Tony dressed up as cowboys which is a bit of an awkward moment but then they explained why and that was because calamity jane as daniel had mentioned in the program guide in episode 12 was beating them in the ratings so they thought well maybe that australians love to see cowboys they pretty much do the program guide in the very first bit isn't that right mm, yeah pretty pretty much
3: well everything except uh, sbs and and they they, they they managed to hit ads on two of the channels as well
0: channel 10 had basketball channel 9 had a milk ad and uh, and delicious dynamo, <laughs> Which... <laughs> great improv right Don't
1: there. do that in <laughs> home, kids.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, pod tides later on. Uh And we have <laughs> Channel Seven where they flick over, and you can just—I just, uh, I, I just got to play this because this is where Tony is the uber movie nut. Because listen to his reaction. It's a Barry...
5: John Ritter. It's a John Ritter film. <laughs> Turn
1: over now. Why are you wasting Fuck. your time here? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was, was into john ritter <laughs> yeah, no Belushi. it was john ritter and he was just so excited <laughs> over that
6: slightly sarcastic as well though
0: <laughs> yeah fair enough <laughs> so yeah yeah but that movie was real men with john yeah. ritter and Jim Belushi. and on the abc this is where the old classic flick on the tv and watch yourself type joke happens and then put the, yourself that are on the tv start talking to the people who are actually in the sketch. So that was very cleverly done.
3: Although, mind you, TV Mick uh, tells um, uh, on stage Mick and Tony uh, how, um, how unoriginal it is saying, I remember Glenn Nicholas did it on the big gig. Yeah, <laughs> yes.
2: I, I actually remember that episode. <laughs> That's all I've got to say about that.
1: <laughs> I actually remember that well. <laughs>
4: I remember my art teacher did something like that. He uh, was in the room and he had a fake gunshot, ran out of the room, and then he was on the TV saying... If you are if listening to this, I have just been shot. <laughs> it's, it's one of those avant-garde moments of art, art class in year 11 or 12.
0: <laughs> so we have News Desk with Tommy G. And Kenyan Woman hosts Africa's inaugural Tupperware Party. And yeah, it's a shot of a couple of pots and pans, really. i uh, have got Jeff Kennett revealing how he keeps his hair in place with superglue.
3: Yeah, it's a good thing it's not gorilla glue. I don't yeah. know if you've, if you've heard of this story, but there was a woman in America who uh, styled her hair with uh, yeah something called Gorilla Glue, which is basically it's like a very strong spray adhesive and mm. going, how the hell do I get it out? And, yeah, yeah. had to had, had to go that's for that's a, a proper green. procedure where, you know, mm. chemicals had to be added to try and break it down.
1: Oh, wow.
3: That's Gosh. Mean. Wow. So there you go. Then, yeah. then yeah. and now, super glue with Jeff Kennett and the
2: Gorilla mm. Glue girl. If only that had happened to Jeff Kennett.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the British inventor develops its first training wheels for learner drivers, and there's some <laughs> random stock news footage of a car on wheels, wheel wheels,
3: like <laughs> a trolley,
0: which looked yeah, a lot what, of fun.
3: What what actually was that? Like
5: what what's what's the actual non-jokey uh, uh, scenario? I I Idea. I, I used to know, but I can't remember. <laughs> there, there, there is an actual. It's something to do, and I'm sure someone's going to ride in and say i'm completely wrong i assume it was something to do with like aligning the steering or something but i'm probably wrong on that
2: maybe it was the stig prototype <laughs> first, <laughs> first stunt driver
0: so the, the great debate in the u.s and the spotlight is on the vice presidential clash with dan Quayle. practice pointing and speaking and then the <laughs> legit the emblem falls off as well. So that, that was actually pretty funny.
6: Yeah, I, I like that. It's not quite as good as Theresa May um, with all the letters falling off behind her and also losing her voice at the same time, but, it, but it's a
0: pretty good one. Look it up on YouTube, guys. It's great. Fun. Hours of fun. And you have Al Gore burning up on his leaders' policies. What a poor choice of words for or what it cuts to, <laughs> <laughs> something which would be available on SBS. I guess it was only on screen for like one and a half seconds. That was full frontal.
3: Come on, Matt. You don't have to pussyfoot around it. It's a uh, you know, a photo of a naked girl with a, a very carefully placed hand over the, the private parts, you'll notice. Yeah. So certainly I, I noticed it because I,
0: I studied it at half speed. Oh. <laughs> Did your VHS wear out on that particular spot? <laughs>
3: Yeah, I did have
6: to adjust the tracking a little bit. This is what men had to do for porn in the 90s, wasn't it?
0: (laughs) Independent James Stockwell uh, went on a cruise and on a private yacht, and that just cuts to a Japanese submarine. So, uh, yeah, I'm guessing (laughs) I don't know much about James Stockwell, but yeah, obviously.
5: he was an admiral. That's uh, all there is to know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's
3: the, I would, I would, say, the I the would say. I would say to Ross Perot. Uh, ah, he, he might be. Yes. Um, you know, he, he might just be a rich man
0: just trying to get in there with a bit of money. Gotcha. And uh, the presidential candidates are out and about with Clinton meeting cheerleaders. There's the foreshadowing right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's when they hold you know place to bet if you could sleep with the cheerleaders. And um, uh, Japan sends trips to Cambodia. They won't be carrying guns. They'll be carrying cameras and souvenirs. Uh, Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, Obvious joke is obvious there. Uh, In China, the 14th Communist Party conference is underway. Uh, Turnout was low, but it could have been due to piss Week band playing. Yeah, just some band music playing. It was really bad. And Beijing, largest auction of Chinese antiquities, was running um, with genuine Ming Dynasty artworks. Priceless statues and a genuine stainless steel Wok with steak knives.
4: Just ten ninety
0: nine.
3: Oh, that's that's cheap even for ninety ninety
0: two dollars. All right. And Defence Minister Robert Ray says Australia will be flying, will be buying eighteen new F one eleven fighter jets from the US. They may not be exactly new, and you have the Senator Santo, you know, bought them because they had a for sale sign on the windscreen. <laughs>
1: yeah. I had
0: such a they were yeah, in somebody's did. front yard as well. Yeah.
2: During the week, um, I had no idea who Robert Ray was until this week when I heard Barry Cassidy on um, Sammy J's show on the ABC radio, and he said that Robert Ray was famous for calling Mel Colston the Quisling Quasimodo from Queensland. Have you ever heard of that story? <laughs> oh, my God, Robert Ray at the centre. And then I, I
3: actually looked, I
2: Googled uh, Robert Ray and santo is a spitting image for him <laughs>
3: unbelievable even down to the, the pop popped button and belly showing in
6: yeah. that he uh, yeah. was a bit of a and, and the really obvious pillows under the shirt there yeah so basically robert ray who 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 basically is framed in the late show as a fat bastard right yeah and, and then then a few years later you know mel colson is being framed on martin malloy as a fat bastard so it was a fat bastard off
2: it was. It was a <laughs> myself. So uh, Mal Colston was this turncoat who um, left the Labor Party for, like, the crossbench or something, which is pretty awful. I mean, that's, the Liberals do it all the time that the Labor Party is not up for that. <laughs> so <laughs> those uh, comments were flying from uh, Robert Ray. Hilarious.
0: Wow. Wow. The planes are in good shape. Uh, They could fall on anyone at any time. That was a great little (laughs) joke that he said there, and it just went (laughs) over everyone's head.
5: (laughs) At that stage, the the F-111s were really old planes. Australia was like the only other country that ever flew them even. Nobody else wanted them.
2: (laughs) They are like an antique.
5: They were fine, but just they cost like a mint. And I think America, Australia was the only country stupid enough to go. Oh yeah, we'll buy these, and then you know, America had them over a barrel every time. You know, the windshield wiper broke; it was another million bucks to get it fixed.
6: Australia has a really bad record of buying military hardware, doesn't it? Like every every time the Defense Department buys something, it suddenly cost it suddenly costs an absolute bomb, and it doesn't work. Like every time, it's like it's mandatory to do that.
0: <laughs> Just like the submarines. Well,
6: yeah yeah submarines exactly
0: and now we have former Soviet Republic of Georgia held general elections. Some questions were asked if smoking should be banned in tanks with footage of the tank on fire, and should brown vinyl jackets be banned? yeah, they just had some guy wearing high quality leather
3: that wasn't the the only question that was on that little uh ballot insert if you if you pause it so they. They had uh, questions like, should all cats be shot? Oh. Or uh, people should shower only once a week to save water? There was the start of some sort of a sentence like, it is highly likely that you, which I've, I've got a feeling like that might have been like another, like the start of an in joke that just didn't make it into frame. And then for some reason, the phrase, Joe Welk lived in New Cut in London, what? which what I. Th- <laughs> I know, it's weird. Uh, I, I I thought at first it might have been like one of those.
0: Uh, se-
3: no, no, I, th- I thought it might have been like one of those sentences that contains all the letters of the alphabet that you do for typing practice oh, sort of
0: quick brown oh, fox. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Anniversary of Christopher Columbus discovering America. There were protests from native Indian groups uh, and a man called Richard Bad Moccasins was interviewed. Now, I don't know because the quality of the VHS tape, the if that was made up for him or not, or like if it was a late show joke, or if it was oh, actually okay. Yeah, because it was. Yeah, convincing. come
3: on. There's 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 no Native American out there that's actually No,
2: yeah. that.
0: uh, it's
2: definitely late show moccasins.
0: Yep, and the camera cuts to him wearing <clears throat> bad moccasins and violent protests in New York, but it had nothing to do with Columbus. They just wanted Steve Weizart to go home. So- oh, God. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. So Steve Weizart's Tonight Live had a sabbatical in New York.
6: Did it? Yeah, yeah. What a rot. Well, he he did, um, of course, he did the um, Tonight Live from Barcelona, didn't
3: he? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Talked about last year. Ross Warnkeke did talk about it, uh, yeah, the next week in his uh, Rewind column in the Green Guide. If you saw any of Vizard's Tonight Live specials from New York last week, you would begin to realise why, despite all the hoopla that accompanied the Big Apple shows, the Americans were unlikely to regard it as much more than a travelling amateur hour.
0: Showbiz, AIDS-stricken ballet legend Rudolf Nureyev wants to die on stage. Organisers of next year's Loggies are thinking of inviting him on. And Madonna's book Sex comes out the next day and some keen collectors already have an advanced copy and they cut to Pope John Paul holding a book.
6: He's a good Catholic Madonna, so, you know, it's entirely appropriate. Oh,
0: yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Some very quick jokes in there and
0: um, probably
3: half of them hit and half of them didn't really. It was an epic news desk though.
5: It did kind of feel like the kind of news desk you'd expect midway through the run where they'd kind of burnt through any sort of safe material that they had, you know, they'd worked up and it was like, what have we got we can work with this week? Yeah, a lot of it was very sort of topical, I guess.
0: Yeah. Now we have the lounge and Jason Stevens sets up one of the best sketches ever done, the Elderly Operations Centre. Oh,
1: I'm not
2: a big fan of the Elderly Operations Centre. Am I the uh, Lone Ranger on that one?
3: Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've, I've,
3: I, I've got to admit that sort of as, as you get older, it sort of takes on a, a bit of a different meaning, really, because like I would say, yeah, my, my, my younger self would go, you know, like would, would be hating those elderly people, you know, doing whatever they want and basically ruining it for all the young people. As I get older, it's sort of, it feels like something to look forward to. <laughs> it's, like, it's, 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 sort of, it's it's like between this sketch and the granny's episode of Bluey it's it's making me feel good about getting uh, getting older so you just want to do this, Daniel hello, hello, channel 9 yes, I'd like to complain <laughs> the adventist just said bottom
7: <laughs> you forgot my bad language
1: shit
5: <laughs> <laughs> see when I first saw it it was like oh, you know old people, they're so annoying, they get in the way, they're so slow. And then watching it recently, it's just like, oh, other people are so annoying, they get in the way. It's just <laughs> a, my dislike is just I've removed the ages part and now it's just everyone's annoying and getting in the way.
6: I think society's changed quite a lot because, like, elderly people seem like less of a thing these days because you know I remember when I was a kid you would see this kind of like a Toyota Crown or whatever and it was it was driving really slowly and the driver would have a like a hat on mm. or maybe an outfit or whatever and you literally would see that stuff right and nowadays like elderly people are not generally driving Toyota Crowns and wearing hats and going to bowling <laughs> you know they they're sort of slightly slightly better than that. that that and you know the other thing that struck me was People who kind of write in or or ring up to complain or whatever, the the modern day equivalents of that mouthing off on Facebook or whatever, they're of all ages. You know, everyone's having a go at at people on the TV or in the media or whatever. So, you know, basically everyone's become elderly.
5: (laughs) Pop culture was just culture. Everyone sort of had to, you know, from eight to 80, you were watching the same shows. So I guess if something offended an old person back then, they got on the blower. Whereas now they're unlikely to be watching it; they'll be watching something else.
6: Yeah, they'll be watching someone murders, which they love. So they're not <laughs> going to ring up and complain about that, are they? <laughs>
1: no. You know,
6: you don't need Santos um, Nono to go down to the vehicle registration office because I assume that these days, if you're registering a vehicle, you do that on the internet. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. You know.
5: Well, it's a whole other world of annoyance then because it's your elderly relatives are trying to do that online and they're the ones annoying you by saying, I don't understand, explain it to me. Yeah,
6: yeah exactly. But these days the sketch would be about your parents' Asking your help to, you know, get get iView working or something, which you know, I've, I've had to try and do on the phone to my parents from another country. <laughs> yeah, that's much more challenging. We like... don't, we don't have iView, so
4: I can help with, with iPlayer, guys. Oh, you yeah. don't have that. Oh, okay, I was like me yesterday when I was actually at work in an open plan office <laughs> trying to discuss how to pay a bill, my mum's bill, and she had two factor authentication, so she had to tell me no, what the no, number was, no, and I had no. to say no, and then it didn't work because it timed out, and I had to send another one, and <laughs> she had to read out the <laughs> other one, and then then I had to actually go to a banking website, and yeah, there were. Would- it was it was painful, but we got through it. There,
6: there is a really lovely '90s thing in this sketch, which which I guess I should mention, which is um, ringing up Talkback Radio to talk about the flag, which which was a common <laughs> yeah, That was funny, yeah, for your yeah. yeah, elderly people in the '90s when I, I think it was Keating started the debate about whether Australia should still have the Union Jack in one corner of the flag. Um, which, of course, we still do to this day. The yeah. other
2: thing I did like about this sketch was the um, old lady who cuts Jason off in the butchers. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <She's> a classic. <laughs> she yeah. goes, oh, I'll have a leg lamb." oh, no, maybe some sausages, which is, like, two completely different meals. <laughs> and then she gets all worried and she goes, oh, I don't know. Like, she's amazing, yeah. that woman. She must be all of, like, 95, but she's, like, the best actress in the entire sketch. <laughs> yeah, that
6: is just, uh, the butcher was slightly smirking there, which I think he was a real butcher.
3: <laughs> I think the butcher was in on that code slow yeah <laughs> he's yeah. he's part of the conspiracy <laughs> and and really we, we should like speaking of the acting we, we should talk about the fact that this is a very professionally shot professionally acted like i mean it's it's almost documentary looking yeah and, and, like it really it really does yeah. add to, to the whole joke of the the that this is a conspiracy and and the fact that there's Hardly any uh, of the D in it at all, really. Yeah. Apart from, apart from being unwitting victims.
2: Yeah, that's why I don't like it because, and I think they've they've done this more in their later careers where they've just sort of taken a back seat and just been the writers and the directors. And it's like, no, you know, this is a late show, and I want them in front of the cameras and I want them to do the acting and being silly. Like, and this is just way too slick, way too professional. They've got really great actors. Mm-hmm and it's just a little bit of a bummer for me but i know it's got great writing in it
3: but but see, i i think uh, with this sketch and there's also another sketch in this episode later on where yeah i just i don't think that it would have worked if it was composed of just the dj and cast
1: mm. yeah to no, me, they, it
5: they needed they needed to get the professionals well older people in I mean, John Flouse, I think, is great in this as the, the guy running the whole shebang.
0: Yeah, and you could see, I've noticed one or two of them would appear later on in Crackerjack, Mick Malloy's film. Yes. I believe Mrs yes. Jenkins.
6: Yes, it's a cast. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> And one of the men as well um is, is in Cracker Jack. I can't remember which one. He's very good in it. The
2: older one, yeah. <laughs> That's, <scary.
6: laughs> That's the older one. the older
0: <laughs> The next sketch is Jane. Oh, it's a live sketch. Jane presents oh. Fine Art Barn with Jeff and Terry Bailey, our favourites. And there's, <laughs> this is a, a beautiful disaster because... Jeff and Terry, or Rob and Santa, knew everything perfectly. Jane was the forgetful one. And <laughs> didn't they play on it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, yes.
3: the wheels fell off very early on in this. Yes. yes. <laughs> so
2: Jane forgets her lines and has to actually go and grab the script from the floor manager, which is probably any <laughs> And And it's like Rob is a f- perfect mix of trying to save her Like, he actually sort of quietly says, have you got it? Have you got it? But then he's also completely throwing her in the deep end and making her the butt of the joke. It's like this, it's
6: amazing to watch. The line, I'm glad we waited for that one.
4: (laughs) That's incredible. It is incredible. It really is. I wonder wonder if
3: you've ever considered what it feels like to forget your line.
1: Hey!
6: What was trying to comment on was saying that Doug certainly is a very versatile artist. Ah uh, yes.
1: We <laughs> <She's laughs> waited for that one. versatile. <laughs> yeah, versatile. <laughs> Back to you, <laughs> he's, he's a very versatile artist. No, no,
3: no. no. What does he? Spe- you know what he specializes in? <laughs> <now? laughs>
0: In, tell me. Pedal band. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they were talking about doug who is a fantastic artist <laughs> and got but doug. just
3: but just happens to be expelled from the heidelberg school
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because some of his features were that uh, the beauty of his work he could actually flip it over and he does the back of it <laughs> other innovative works he has is a calendar or the painting that turns into a calendar. And other than panel vans, as you heard, uh, he goes through f- phases, <laughs> just like uh, he was one of the mannerists. Yeah, that was
1: funny. <laughs> I think
2: that seemed like a genuine uh, furphy by Santo. He completely forgot
6: that it was impressionist.
2: Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> he was so convinced, he goes, no, it's mannerists.
6: <laughs> but boring, boring aside here, um, mannerism is actually a real style of European yeah. art and, and according to Wikipedia, um, it emerged in the late years of the Italian High Renaissance around 1520. It was influenced by and reacted to the work of Da Vinci, Raphael, Michelangelo and other Ninja Turtles.
0: <laughs> <laughs> other dug phases uh, was through surrealism, cubism and toplessism. <laughs> yeah. Six months ago, he was a struggling tattooist, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he doesn't seem like high art, but uh, but he did go through the dog's phase, so and then they show, yeah, painting of dogs playing, doing whatever kind of like the playing poker type thing. And yeah, play, um, playing playing pool was, uh, was that one, but uh, yeah, he's
3: also got the one where they play cards,
0: yeah, and they have da Vinci's art as well, but it's all starker's, the
3: starker's <laughs> edition, yes.
2: <Yeah.
0: laughs> This part, though. Uh,
3: beautiful
6: women, beautiful
2: women. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and this one we've got to add to the whiteboard. I'm
6: afraid we've run out of time.
0: Oh, that's such a pity. It certainly is. Um, you're such a
1: beautiful woman, Jane. <laughs> tell me. Tell not me, tonight, so
3: let, school, let it. me tell you. Not tonight, let me tell you. Well, see, if, if, if I recall, I think they mentioned this briefly on the DVD commentary, but Jane was feeling a bit under the weather that night. <laughs> really? Uh, and, uh, as under the weather as a newt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, and it's time for... Ah! Episode 13, Front Bottom Gets the Sack, so to speak.
2: <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, <laughs> and Front Bottom reads a viewer letter, which contains all the speeding of sound effects and uh, footage for a cheap laugh to speeding up and appalling <laughs> continuity. So that that's a little bit of... Uh, I guess Tony's gone, how do we do this with uh, him reading a letter for about a minute?
3: And there are some good comical sound effects throughout it all all as well, very perfectly um,
0: uh, timed. The the
6: bottle-pouring-the-water-out sound effect was sort of... (laughs) of (laughs) 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 Yeah, really, really, really made me laugh.
0: But they also revealed the winner of the Reg Gorman lookalike contest from episode 12, (laughs) which was... uh, I don't know, someone who looks like Reg Gorman. It was he's Reg okay. Gorman. I, I was expecting you to, sorry.
6: <laughs> I don't know what Reg Gorman looks like. I, I'm too young.
0: <laughs> Front bottom forgot all about it, and he did mention that, you know, he'd forget if he's had his testicles screwed on.
5: Must have uh, slipped your mind, Governor. Hmm. Honestly, I'd forget my own testicles if they weren't screwed on. <laughs> Actually, you have, sir. i found them
0: they
3: match the
5: photographs in
3: the post office. Yes, <laughs>
0: that's all right. I love that with the audience laughter. That joke just mm-hmm. delivered so well, and so we're also used to the DVD or VHS version. And so when you hear that laughter on there, you just go, bam, that joke landed.
6: I, I like the, they match the photograph in the post office. That, that is a brilliant <laughs> yeah. The idea that there would be a photograph of them in the post office.
0: <laughs> and so front bottom sends Alden and Reg on a journey to find the lost camera three because he was so successful <laughs> at finding his testicles. And they come across the myoptic tribe where they have poor spear throwing and never go anywhere without their distinctive UGG boots. And everyone's favourite thing is, it's okay. Don't attack. I'm with the guy who hosts Play School.
3: <laughs> well, and the barman from the Sullivans. That's who Reginald is. Yeah. yeah. There right.
0: yeah, we go. There's a reveal. I will say that I've noticed that there was a scene that was cut from the commercial release of the olden days. So did you know the bit where he's actually reading the rejection letter? Yeah. I I feel, I feel
3: like this might have been cut for time more than content, really, because it doesn't add much to the
0: well, storyline such as it is. Yeah, well in the commercial release it goes, you know, straight after when they say Barman from the Sullivan's and then they cut saying that the guys have disappeared and then it continues walking towards the camera and they found it. Or right in between that bit was this scene.
5: Dear Governor, we regret to inform you that your spin-off series, that's Front Bottom, a cavalcade of show tunes, has been rejected for failing to meet even the most basic criteria for entertainment. Philistines, what would they know? Fails to meet the most basic criteria. Let's see. Must be entertaining? No. Amusing? (laughs) No. Vaguely interesting? Damn! What if I put a big spender back in with me and tights and suspenders? Nuts!
2: Uh, <laughs> that was it. It's a bit of fat, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think mm. Daniel's it's right. Nice.
0: It's like just cut for time or something. Other than they find the camera, that's the end of the olden days. Yeah. Now we have the lounge and we've got Tony and also our <laughs> Tony as well. <laughs> Uh, This is uh, where you will shine. And um, Tony recaps the music from last week, just a little bit of a blurb saying it was a very musical episode, as we also discussed, and then introduces a new segment, the Undiscovered Masterpieces of the Cinema, and they feature Houseboat Horror.
3: Australia's first made-for-video horror spectacular, or as uh, Tony (laughs) manages to stuff up, made for horror. (laughs) (laughs) Have
2: you watched this film all the way through, Tony?
5: I've seen oh, – I wouldn't oh say I've watched it all the way through at one time. <laughs> it's, possible, it's possible that I've seen all of it. What I've seen of it, it's it's a chore to get through. I, <laughs> but the real star of this segment is Tony for having watched the whole thing and found some bits to get laughs out of because it's
4: <laughs> – hey, holding up his copy.
5: Yeah. No, I remember – the, the only fun fact I have about this is when, oh gosh, the guy who directed um, not quite Hollywood, the, the documentary, yes, the, the documentary about exploitation films. Um, I interviewed him for work. He, he was going around being interviewed by every man and his dog. And one of the things I said, you know, oh, you did all these trashy films. I was disappointed houseboat horror didn't get a mention. And, uh, he, he was not impressed by this reference to Houseboat Horror and made very clear that Houseboat Horror did not qualify as it was made, as Tony has pointed out, direct for video and therefore was not considered an actual osploitation feature release and therefore was beneath his. Contempt. <laughs> uh, rapidly moved on to something else. I think, though, I ap- rapidly moved on to Outback Vampires, which was another dodgy tax dodge film that was made, I think, to- especially for Channel 9, and I think featured Red Simons. So uh, I did not endear myself to Mark Hartley that day. <laughs>
6: <laughs> wow. In the 80s, like making these kind of straight-to-video horror releases was was quite a phenomenon, isn't it, with the rise of home video and stuff. Did, well, did Australia make quite a lot of these?
5: Well, in Australia we had, and a, a more prepared subject would be somebody who knew the actual name of it, but there was an actual tax dodge where you would make money back from investing in Australian film even if the film made no money. So there was quite a lot of Australian films being made in the 80s. That, yeah, and some of them were very good. This was a a decent, you know, attempt to boost the film industry. But there were also a lot of shonky, dodgy things churned out on the cheap, not designed to make any money. Um, And Houseboat Horror was definitely one of those. Uh, Most of them are just forgotten. They just didn't. They might have made it to VHS, but they didn't go to DVD. And when something like Body Melt, which is sort of held up as, you know, now as this kind of Australian schlock horror classic, but at the time it was kind of seen as just another one of these tax write-offs because there were so many of them out there. It was a real thing. And a lot of the time these films just, they might have made it to, you know, your local rep cinema for a couple of weeks and then they just vanished forever. Houseboat horror is just like refugees from Hey Hey It's Saturday on yeah. a houseboat <laughs> yeah. and play a building, Just yes. go. <laughs> <It's laughs>
2: and roping just... in Allendale. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Tony reads the back of the video uh, which uh, is described thus with gory calculation the making of an energy packed fun loaded rock video becomes a smorgasbord of horror death and blood cashing mayhem with knockout Brian Manic's song hits. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've got a little treat for you here. Oh, oh, no. This is exclusive to Champagne Comedy Podcast. Oh, no. Okay, it is for another podcast down the track, but this bit i purely got for our podcast here. So if you subscribe, you would have heard this trailer, little teaser.
7: Hey guys, girls, it's party time. Come up here. The ma- oh, the Magnificent. Your bar up.
6: <laughs>
7: <laughs>
6: Gavin's got all the good ones.
1: <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> What sort of asshole I would do that? Those are the
0: two best moments in the movie. Am I wrong or right or?
5: No, you are 100% correct.
0: All right. Well, I did speak to the one and only Gavin Wood earlier in the week. Oh, wow. Yep. He's fantastic So he does his own podcast called the Gavin Wood Countdown Podcast Where he interviews an artist, music artist Which is featured on Countdown If you are listening to us You should listen also to Gavin Wood's Countdown Podcast Highly recommended Now I did talk to Gavin about Housepot Horror Because we could have easily spoken to Danny Tregodding Who had a little bit of behind the scenes knowledge as well But because Gavin was one of the main stars Unintentional (laughs) main stars of the film This is what he had to say
7: Jimmy Costello, which was always the name. If I ever went bust in radio, and creditors were trying to find me, I'd get I'd I'd go over to Perth, and uh, and get a job on radio there, and my name would be Jimmy Costello. That was <laughs> that, that was my alter ego.
0: Oh wow! So you <laughs> yeah. you got you got to play with that and be in your own little imaginating world, really, playing that character.
7: Yeah, that that was a lot of fun. I mean, that that movie. Uh, I mean, people are still talking about it. It's like Countdown, you know. It's it's it, it was done with you know the best intentions and it was done with heart. But that movie uh, was done for ten thousand dollars. Wow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we got ten thousand dollars out of the underground disco, uh, <laughs> and it paid for uh, some some of the crew. Uh, I did it for nothing. Uh, a lot of people did it for nothing. They they ran out of money for catering, so one day we got lettuce sandwiches for lunch. Oh
1: wow! <laughs> That's when we realised
7: that things aren't going too well here. The director, uh, Kendall Flanagan, had a heart attack uh, halfway through and couldn't continue on. So, so Ollie Martin had to carry on and be, be the director. Oh, It was just it was a mess. the uh, The film crew and the television crew, uh, it was kind of half half and the film crew hated the television crew because the television crew were all falling down drunk and, and the film crew were very professional. Uh, so, there, so there was a lot of that. There was just a lot of booze. And and uh, I think we worked for booze for two weeks up at Hildon. You know, it was, it was look, we're, I, we'd never made a movie before and I think, you know, just the, the idea of making a movie was very romantic and... And we did it, goddammit, you know, albeit that bad, but we did it.
0: The, the line that you're really known for in that movie was saying the view's magnificent, you'll bar up. Now yeah, yeah. was that an improv line or was that in the script? Yeah,
5: yeah.
1: No, it wasn't in the script.
7: They just they just said, Get up there and, and be excited about the view and I went, Oh god, okay. I said, Hey fellas, girls, guys, come up here, it's magnificent. The views the view's magnificent, you'll bar up <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they went perfect <laughs> <laughs> that is One amazing take. and isn't it funny just a simple little thing like that you know it stands out and and remains part of the uh, part of the culture I I, I think it's magnificent that uh, this uh, ten thousand dollar movie is still getting people talking about it it's it's quite amazing
0: a few years ago I think it was the first APR Tom Alive tour and Brian Mannix uh, was in town, and so we did a presentation with him. Yeah, and I showed him, I tracked down the copy of Housebud on DVD and showed it to him, and he just laughed his head off and he goes, Mate. This is a pure piece of shit. I love the fact that shit. Yeah, yeah,
7: and on the front it's got with snappy Brian Mannix hits or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Knockout Brian Mannix hits, and he just Knock, out, his knock out
7: Brian Mannix hits. That's right, because he wrote all the music. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "A lot of fun times, not necessarily in the movie, just a lot of fun times during that movie." It, so.
7: it basically was. It was just uh, controlled chaos, and um, and as I said before, a lot of VB.
2: <laughs> oh, so, that's excellent what a legend gavin
3: wood is
0: i have a whole newfound respect for him
3: especially uh, that he still remembers that line
0: <laughs> as well yeah no problem all, the, all those words at 31 years on yeah he's more than happy to talk about it so thank you so much gavin for having a chat <laughs> and contributing to this podcast about it. So make sure you download the Gavin Wood Countdown Podcast. You
5: could always get a good joke out of Brian Mannix and once you saw Animal the Drummer was involved, you'd, you'd, you'd know there'd be something there.
3: Uh, you can watch Houseboat Horror on YouTube. For some reason, it's got it's some sort of foreign language track where there's somebody talking over the whole movie in some sort of Eastern European language. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so after Tony rates uh, Houseboat Horror for Dolphs, we have <laughs> Shit Poolside and this is all about Rob and Mick doing a stunt for Die Hard Four because Die Hard Three director doesn't like prime numbers. <laughs> <laughs>
6: that is probably the best gag of this. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, extremely dated but <laughs> which still very begs funny.
6: The question, which begs the question why was Die Hard One made? But you know,
0: that, <laughs> Pedantry. You anyway, yourself.
6: <laughs> I did. I've self Yeah, yeah.
5: <laughs> Move, so moving I, along. I did, I did have one question on this uh, because I didn't think of it watching the sketch. Is there any point before the end where that we see the pool has water in it?
2: Uh, I thought that. I need saw I the, water that the, the water at the beginning. Was in it. Yeah,
5: because yeah, I was wondering whether. Yeah, whether they just went, oh, the pool's empty today, we'll film it, or they actually emptied it while they were filming.
0: I'd say that they probably did that while they were filming. Okay. Or, or unless yeah. unless where they were standing, there was another pool, which was still dirty. Yeah, I thought, I, yeah, I was, it looked pretty dirty, the, the
1: pool. It was gangrene.
2: I wasn't the only one obsessed it. with these pools, because I was obsessed with it, because I'm... 99% sure that the diving tower is from the Harold Holt Memorial Pool. Now, that is oh. a, <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's
2: and, a lot of joke, people. Yes, it was a cause of much mirth when we used to go there for our swimming carnivals. But there was also another pool nearby, maybe Murrumbina or Carnegie or something. And I can't remember, but one of them was famous for, you know, how. um You know how outdoor outdoor pools that were built like in the mid-century, they're kind of crap and they have a lot of cracks in them and they actually leak? Mm -hmm. (laughs) These pools leak quite often, those ones out in that area of Melbourne, and they just flood neighbouring houses. And I know someone whose job it was to constantly kind of fill up the pool so that it wouldn't run out of water but they you know they're only teenagers who run these pools and they oh. left the tap on overnight. we <laughs> <It laughs> flooded the suburb. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> but yeah, I was fascinated to t- try and pinpoint which pool it was. Which was the one with the filthy green sludge in it. Which was the one with the you know the diving tower, which I think was Harold Holt.
3: So there you go. I think this was shot in two halves because there's all of the outdoor pool stuff, um, and you're going up on the, the diving tower, and then all the indoor pool stuff uh, with uh, you know testing the uh, testing the flow and um, oh, Robbie yeah. doing we and. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. <laughs> the <That's laughs> tail yeah. And again, it looks like it was shot quite a long time ago, judging by the length of uh, Tom's hair. Uh, now, also, this is the first time that we hear that uh, theme. Uh, that's a bit of library music called Hit and Run. Oh, yes. You'll definitely find it on Spotify because I think it might have been tweeted out before, but it's called Hit and Run and it's by Ralph Dollymore. And it's from the KPM Brown Sleeves uh, series of. Um, Uh, production library music. (laughs) Can you hum
0: it, Daniel? Uh... (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh
4: yes please this is kind oh, nice. <laughs> of freeform
6: jazz club isn't it this, oh. is, this is really
3: really <laughs> groovy guys yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, if,
3: you, if, if you don't have Spotify it's, it's in the menus of the Champagne um, edition DVD as well so.
4: there is of course that classic line in the Shit Scared sketch where Rob's saying are you sure you filled it with the right gas Mick
0: oh was <laughs> a helium yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> yes <laughs> and that, that, that reference to Mr Gaspo as well yeah, Mr Gaspo says it's the best
0: <laughs> <laughs> Now we got the sketch with Rob as Harry Connick Jr Because 1992 was everything Harry Connick Jr
2: Yeah, was... this was probably my Rob awakening I
1: just <laughs> <laughs> It's probably Jane's Rob awakening as <laughs> well
0: But the whole point behind it was that Every time he would perform a song His brass band would interrupt him Stop! Star. which is common in a lot of uh, i guess now would be michael buble the boob the boob yeah mm. but i would just love to have that installed on my phone so every time someone will be interrupting me or you know have that conversation it goes on and on you just go <laughs> in <front of> <laughs> so daniel what did you do <laughs> yeah. So
3: uh, yeah, uh Rob as Harry is here in a ridiculously big looking red
0: suit.
2: <laughs> and Not ridiculous, uh, incorrect. Perfect.
0: And, and also Christopher Kirby, who was playing Rodney King in a early sketch yeah. Yeah, as one of the trumpet players.
3: Yeah, he also turns up next episode. Um uh we won't tell you when, you'll have to find that next episode. More sizzle <laughs> <laughs> Pretty effective way to to cover up an F-bomb, really. You don't really see it too much on the screen because you see Jason on the left playing a bass and you see Mick and Tony and two um, African-American-looking gentlemen uh, on the brass. But to the right, you've got, I think it's Santo doing a bit of drums. And then Mm. right at the back, you've got Tom on a tuba. (laughs) (laughs) Did, did, Did anybody notice... It's a, bit, it's a bit like that that optical illusion thing where you're meant to look at all the people uh, uh, swapping basketballs around you. You don't mm-hmm. notice the guy in a bee costume that's walking through it all. Yeah. It's tough. kind of a bit like that. Like, you don't notice. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly.
2: Mm. I was distracted. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So after the. Harry Connick Jr. Pistake. We have Tony on the lounge, and he's talking about how to become an Australian citizen. And we had the oath of allegiance, which is at the very beginning of the best bits of the Late Show Volume Two.
3: Does anybody actually know what the actual oath of allegiance is?
0: Ha ha! ha. That's a good one. <laughs>
1: That's all I
0: know.
3: See, <laughs> see, the, see, the, the, the fact that, that we've we've all yeah we're we're all born here, we didn't have to say it all. I means that um. Yeah, we, we don't know what it actually is, but it turns out that it's actually much shorter. And uh, you can actually, you can choose between two versions of the pledge, one mentioning God and the other uh, not mentioning God. Ah, so it's like the
4: British citizenship
6: was... oath. Yeah, the British citizenship one is exactly the same sort of format as that. It's, you, you say two sentences and one of them's got God in it and one of them doesn't. So they do all the people do their bit and then the, the atheists do their bit. Um <laughs> And suddenly, you're British citizens or, or Australian citizens. I suppose I I only got experience of becoming a British citizen. Yeah, um, me too.
3: Yeah, I, I was going to ask you, uh, Alison. Uh, considering you're you're the only uh, one that's not in Australia, do you remember your your British uh, citizenship pledge?
6: I I don't remember it offhand, but yeah, it it really is. They give you they give it to you on a card, and it's yeah. it's two sentences long, and and I did the atheist version, um, and yeah. Do you, do you happen to have the Australian one there?
3: Yeah, so it goes from this time forward, then either you can say under God or not, then I pledge my loyalty to Australia and its people whose democratic beliefs I share, whose rights and liberties I respect and whose laws I will uphold and obey. And wear tightly we jeans. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. I'm, I'm a Australian citizen
4: now. Apparently. I swear allegiance yeah. to the flag with a fist. Um,
3: oh. <laughs> but yeah, the 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 piss take of, of the oath of allegiance here is yeah pretty much saying that you know if 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 you're going to become a Australian citizen, you're, you're going to get the piss taken out of you um, for your for your heritage, basically.
2: Mm. Yeah, I, I caught the last line, which was unless your kids get kidnapped by a Malaysian, in which case stiff shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Topical reference there. Yeah.
0: Very, very topical.
6: This is quite a decent piss take, I think, as well, of, of the kind of cliches around, you know, people from different countries. So, you know, it it's sort of... You know, it's it sort of it's it's jokes about kind of New Zealand's shagging sheep or um, you know British people being wedging bastards, but but really the the sort of joke is actually about Australian attitudes towards those nationalities. So it's it, it's quite a good parody, I think.
0: As long as you know you're a pack of arseholes. that's all you. Yeah, <laughs>
6: that, that, should, that should be incorporated into the oath. Clearly, <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. you'll bar up. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: that too. <laughs> Again, you know, it just it wouldn't work um, if it was the DJ. And it works a lot better when it's a whole bunch of extras and also Michael Hirsch, uh
0: lurking in the background. <laughs> a bit of Persch, well, you can't go wrong.
5: That's the thing with doing you know an hour of comedy every week. You've really, If you want to keep people laughing, you've really got to have as much variety as possible. And some of that's got to involve sketches which you're not going to appear in.
0: The next segment is muckraking. And this one... Is a tad sensitive, but we'll uh, it, it happened. Um, where Oprah does muckraking, Mick describes her, uh, Oprah as a certain description, he calls
3: her a dirty great heifer and then follows up with trusies.
0: Yeah, this one just feels so weird, but
3: not, yeah, not yeah, before. Uh, black face, yeah. let's just say it.
0: Yeah, yeah,
3: yep. yep. and fat adding suit, fat padding uh, as well. yeah, yep. mm-hmm. fat suit, brown face, and lipstick
5: on the teeth. Well, they they kept calling it Oprah. Oh, hang on. Is that a bit of pedantry, Tony?
3: Pedantry. I was going to
5: say, it felt to me more like that perhaps this was, you know, not their first introduction to Oprah, but Oprah was not a commonplace thing that they could get her name wrong like that. So I kind of thought, well, maybe this is, you know, they're just kind of going, look at this weird American thing, rather than the way Oprah became sort of more part of the, mainstream culture in years after
1: yeah Yeah. but also i I actually
2: think that apart from all the wrong sort of aspects of this sketch which are quite obvious Mm. there's something a little bit subversive about it too it feels like more of a commentary on some of those fast forward sketches that they would do because you know how tony's first thing is he gets up and he goes i'm a comedy character in a you know, what does he say? A Who bard- has to
3: put on a bad American accent and, yeah. and, and, and appear in these Oprah or Donahue stand-ups.
2: Yeah, and they used to do those over the top all the time on Fast Forward because there was just so many goddamn episodes of Fast Forward and, yeah, they felt a bit lazy. Yeah. That's where I sort of thought it was coming from.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like there was so, a lot of that in it. Like a satire on other sketch shows doing that type of satire.
2: Yeah, yeah. Fast yeah. yes. forward, got into that rut of just you know constantly doing impressions of other TV shows.
0: Yeah, so that that, that actually makes sense. Yeah,
5: so, those shows were like the early '90s was sort of when those shows really broke big out here, and people kind of became aware that there was this whole sort of television that was interacting with people. I mean, I I don't remember. Too clearly, but it seemed to me at the time there wasn't a lot of Australian shows that would have that sort of audience interaction. And it was kind of seen, especially as the 90s went on, it was kind of seen that America was this place where you had this string of freak shows where they would have, you know, Jerry Springer style, like completely insane sort of guests coming up. And, and Oprah wasn't seen as being that much different from that. Whereas now I think people would definitely look at her and what she's done in a different light but back then it felt more like she was sort of at one end of this spectrum that also had you know ricky lake and jerry springer and that where they would just have you know this cavalcade of i'm worried my sheep is a member of the kkk or something kind uh-huh. of this, and just crazy things going on
3: also I think that, um, apart from the fat suit and the brown face, I think that it's a fairly spot-on impression of, of Oprah Winfrey by Jane, certainly with that sort of, like, the way that she seems to alternate between that sort of loudness and softness, mm-hmm. uh, especially especially the way uh, Jane says, this is the show. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. thought
2: so too. There was a way she was delivering her lines. It was very much in the same sort of cadence as Oprah. It was sort of like... That's sort wow. of loud.
3: That sort of uh, yeah, typified by the whole "you get a car" uh, yeah. stuff. It took yeah. me by
2: surprise because, of course, you're just sort of blown away by the fat suit and the and the brown on the face. But actually, if she'd just done it sort of without the comedy stuff at the time, it probably would have been a bit more respectable. Would have been quite a good impression. I don't know. Uh, yeah, just...
3: look, de- definitely, you you would not be able to, to get away with. Definitely not brown-faced today. Um, The fat suit, you might be able to – you definitely wouldn't be able to get away with uh, one of the fake credits on the the Oprah thing that says uh, Oprah is dressed by a team of 12 working in two shifts. (laughs)
1: can can i just point
3: out here's
6: a a point of pedantry here this definitely is just brown face only because i'm pretty sure they haven't put any makeup on her hands which look pretty pretty white to me yeah
0: (laughs) and the lipstick on the teeth it
6: must have been done very hastily that that
1: makeup i would
0: But I did like how they cut to Santo playing the person who is in an awkward position in the audience and it takes the cameraman so long to find him. And then by the time they find him, He's done with his question. And he sits down. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Funny.
2: the other thing that was a bit dodgy, but I couldn't help but smile at it, was when Jace goes, "Have you got something to share, Michael?" And Mick goes, "Yes, I've been sexually abused. She tied me up. She called me love chunks.'"
3: And, and I, 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 love, I love that. I love that little turn away after he says "love chunks," like he can't take it
6: straight back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then Oprah very seriously asks, you know, how old were you, Michael? And he goes, 25. (laughs) You know, and she goes, you know, was it a relative? And he goes, no, it was a big blonde woman.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's all very dodgy, but Jesus, (laughs) funny.
3: Well, yeah, I I think, again, because Mick is sort of has that cheeky persona, he can kind of get away with it where other cast members probably wouldn't. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, the next sketch is Slackass automotive repairs where they, it's pretty much Santo playing the car mechanic who just takes too damn long and time <laughs> passes by, especially for a lady who has a, a marriage change and the kids are grown up to fully grown adults. That's yeah, I think someone was waiting car. there since 1907. Yeah,
4: yeah. yeah. <laughs> And your oh, yeah. went out of fashion.
6: <laughs> I, like the, I like the guy from 1907 because, you know, one of the late show cars has to explain what's happened in history and you just see them kind of miming Hitler with the kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> and doing the kind of goose-stepping. <laughs> yeah. There's a ca- cameo in Slack house Auto Repairs from Annie Marva, of course, Tony Martin's future wife and, of course, the floor manager on the late show
0: plays oh. one of the
3: parts. There you are. Oh, who's okay. that? Yeah. oh yeah. So, yes, yeah. She, she's the satisfied customer that says they were great, helpful, courteous, anxious to please. And then here's what one of our customers had to say. <laughs>
1: nice. So, um,
3: again, again, there's, a, there's another um, F bomb which is uh, covered over with a, a car horn. <laughs> I'm I'll, 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 yeah. yeah, there we go. I'll kill I'll those beefing assholes
0: if I ever see them again.
2: <laughs> and I did like the last line, which was same year service. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Now we have the toilet break, and with Tony introducing uh, Suzanne Steele and the Natural Seven singing Quando, Quando.
7: Tell me when will you get on. Tell me, Quando, Quando, Quando.
3: I love this one.
7: Yeah,
1: great
3: yeah. yeah, I'm shaking my imaginary maracas.
0: <laughs> yep. It was actually a pretty decent uh, rendition.
2: And also um, the Natural Seven are just grooving away in the background. It's not particularly choreographed and it sort of made me think that this is probably how they get down after work.
6: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Was the original version of this song Engelbert Humperdinck, I think? Well, certainly he did a version of it, I'm pretty sure.
2: Surely it's some traditional 1907 song. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a pretty great song.
0: Now we have a sketch with a tribute band. Time and Rob interviews Stuart McMasterson, which is Mick, and Ronald Thompson, Jason, and they've based their tribute band on Yothu Yindi, which were pretty big at the time.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's a bit dodgy, but also they do a pretty good version of the song, actually.
5: Yeah, I mean, you I know? think this one sort of gets away with it is the joke is clearly these guys are not the guys that should be fronting a Yothu Yindi tribute band. And the joke yeah. is that these guys are bad... It's got nothing to do with Yothu Yingi. Yeah,
4: Yeah, it's a huge contrast of these awkward nerdy types and, and they have these classic lines that I always used to recite with my friends at school the whole um, controversial and a tad raunchy. And so when the teacher <laughs> would say something that we didn't like, we'd go, oh, that's controversial. And then the other one would say, oh, that's a tad raunchy. <laughs> so it was, those, it was one of those in-jokes that only we understood until The Late Show was mainstream, of course, because we were in on it earlier than a lot of the other people. <laughs> yeah,
6: yeah the, the joke of the sketch is that they're sort of two nerdy public servants and one of them plays the... Uber, and the other one plays the Hammond organ and you know, as well as doing the hits of Yothi Yindy, they do the bus stop and and Xanadu and you mm. know that kind of stuff. So that that's basically the joke. They are entirely inappropriate to to do Yothi Yindy songs.
1: Yeah,
3: don't don't forget Milkshake by the Village People. Is- oh yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, from 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 Can't Stop the Music. Yes, every, it's the good movie, Every yeah. New
0: Year's Eve, it's uh, on Channel Nine like clockwork. Yep, and Tony Martin warns <laughs> us all. Cool.
2: all right. Also, Rob is very hot in that sketch. Okay, moving on.
0: John Harrison's gonna be very upset that you're cheating on him.
4: yeah All
0: right. Sketch I like time.
4: Mick doing the knee swapping illusion.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> so
3: yeah, I think I think they, they just managed to, to get away with not being offensive. Um yeah, I think if they were doing this today, I think they like they would be slightly over the line really. I think I think our, our, our our tastes have have changed significantly that you couldn't do
5: this sort of sketch well you could do this sort of sketch you just pick a different kind of inappropriate band i mean it's sort of you guess these days as well there's a lot more variety in pop music it'd be much easier for a couple of you know 28 year old white guys to find a kind of music that they shouldn't be involved in that wasn't offending people having them do
0: yeah, like hilltop woods yeah. or something oh, like the, that. Them doing Nicki Minaj. Yeah. 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 Oh
3: yes, yes. Uh, yeah. If if you were doing the, the twenty twenty version, uh, a twenty twenty one version of uh, the late show, yeah, you'd you'd have them doing WAP. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Exactly.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and yeah,
0: definitely nothing indigenous. Not at all. They're just they're all popular at the time. All right. The next sketch is Mick's car care. So it's Mick Malloy giving a tour of his own chip box and. So, And he's just giving examples of what to do when you know your car is due to be serviced, whether you got rust on it, the odometer is written in miles, and when the grass has gone yellow, where you park the car as well as it being propped on bricks. And so he just goes through various features. <laughs> he recommends a certain petrol station because everyone gets their own petrol cap suited for the needs in yellow, red, and greasy T-shirt, which is just a... <laughs>
6: I would say looking at Mick's particular beautiful example of a Holden special, um, <laughs> you know, this, this, this sketch is pretty close to the reality of his his style of car
1: care. Yeah.
5: It well, it's if some, someone had had a bad experience with car repairs because you've got this and you've got Santo's sketch earlier on about, you know, the same year service. It felt like somebody <laughs> mm-hmm. had something go wrong with their car in the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's what it sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> a bit of a theme. Well, I just love the fact I like how he's... And- here you go, Kim.
4: I, I just like how he's nurturing that rust with a watering
0: can. <laughs> and soft. yeah And salt. <laughs> I just love the fact that he also is using a fresh, clean fragrance in his car and he's using the yellow balls found in the urinals. Oh,
1: that's <laughs> yeah, urinal cakes. Vernon King shows you a secret
0: recipe. <laughs> Family <laughs> recipe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, other than that, seatbelt safety to use them. And when you need to find them, you get a metal detector out. But that all comes that
2: down to his spicy. shitbox, yeah. <laughs> this is such a 90s sketch, though, because, like, no one drives a shitbox like that anymore. But, like, no. back in the 90s, everybody's everybody knew someone at least who had an old Holden in their life where, you know, the floor was rusted out and you could see the road. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you yeah, there was actually one of those uh, parked in front of my place a couple of weeks ago, and it was this little old lady visiting uh, the neighbors across the road, and she stayed there overnight. But we were worried that it was going to be there for ages.
1: <laughs> and she just
4: she just came across the road and, and started it up for a few minutes just to kind of keep it running. <laughs> Turned it off and went back inside, and she had a club lock on there as well. <laughs>
6: Yeah, I feel slightly nostalgic seeing that um, Holden special because my grandmother had one exactly the same as that, in, in exactly the same color Oh, they fond memories of the Holden special.
0: Other than that, we have uh, Piss Week Western World. So Piss Week World returns. And these are some of the fun things you can do at Piss Week Western World. You can meet a genuine cowboy, ride on a Wild West stagecoach, a colonial printing press, ride a bucking bronco, learn how to brand cattle, and there's a genuine cactus display. And are those Indian smoke signals? You just have to ask the chief in his real TP. And there's a six shooter duel, and all of those are totally piss weak.
6: Big big shout out to the stagecoach there, which looks like one of those kind of trailers with a cage around it that the gym's mowing men have. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's just it's just a bunch of kids just in this cage thing being driven along suburban street. And yeah, you know, I love that. The- That's the essence of the Piss Week World
0: sketches. I love the printing press, which is just a photocopier. <laughs> <Yeah>.
6: <laughs>
2: and the way Tom is shoving the kids' face <laughs> down.
3: <laughs> and again, sort of looking very weird uh, in the cowboy gear, um, yeah, alongside Tony and Mick earlier in the episode. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah it's cowboy themed—that's perfect. Look out, Columbia, the, the wild west has never been so pissy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now we have Graham and the Colonel, and it's all about Duffel coat supreme. This one, this is fantastic. Yeah,
3: classic. Yeah. Is this is this the first mention of Duffel coat supreme on TV? I, I was wondering so. that too. Yeah, well, it's
0: before. I don't, the I don't know whether they mentioned it uh, on the radio show or not. Oh, yeah, oh, I think they did. Yeah, yeah. So after talking about Bart Cummings saying that uh, his horse Let's elope uh, nearly died of a mystery illness, that's where Graham and the Colonel related to him because Duffelcoat Supreme was <laughs> suffering a couple of things as well. <laughs> you know, after it's getting <laughs> its head kicked in for the twenty seventh time. <laughs> after after the twenty seventh loss. Yeah. So, just some of the diseases that he suffered from. Yeah, I said he. Uh, So, he got gout, tennis elbow. Yeah, Yeah. gout, tennis elbow, tinea, cracked lips, dandruff, PMT, and that's where he had his stallion, (laughs) Vertigo, car sickness, and polio.
6: (laughs) I, I so, like Santos. Obviously, dropping in a few of these here that were not in the original script, and, and the bit where Rob corpses is just brilliant. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Apparently, someone in the audience yelled out "PMT." <laughs> 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 that was when uh, he said that. But this is where um, on the Late Show page on Facebook, whenever there's a Melbourne Cup, we always post about Duffel Coat Supreme, and it just gets one of those, I don't like to use the buzzword, but it's one of those ones where you get the most engagement and everyone just <laughs> quotes all the ailments that Duffel Coat has and you get literally about 500 likes per post I think um, whenever, we put, whenever there's a Melbourne Cup.
0: Oh, and then they show a photo of Bart Cummings and I just want to point out that he looks like Benny Hill's half-brother.
5: Felt like they had a photo of Benny Hill lined up that they never actually showed.
0: Yeah, then after the horse talk they went straight into topical events such as the earthquake in Cairo, registering for 5.9 on the Richter scale. Does I anyone want to go through how Graham describes the, the measurement of the Richter scale? By Erno Richter. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do not use this podcast as a history lesson because that's not true. Just to let you know.
1: <laughs> oh,
4: no, that's why I failed history.
0: <laughs> so I just love how he described how to measure the Richter scale, and that is field the quake and then count one cat and dog, two cat and dog, <laughs> which goes all the way up to seven.
3: And, and then because it doesn't hit very well, um, uh, the Colonel asks Graham uh, how their Goodyear strike rate is. <laughs>
0: yes. Which I think that might have been in reference to the cricket. But then they brought out props, where in, because they pretty much have wrapped up the worst album covers. So they brought out these ones, but they're all novelty ones. This is where the world was transitioning from vinyl to CD. So vinyl's on its way out. And they had bought cheap vinyl and they had, Albums such as Hits of the 40s for 99 cents. And they've the got song- <laughs> an
2: eagle eye for the bargain.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> and speaking of eagle eye, I think 40s is misspelled, so there's a little, another pedantry moment.
0: There, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no U in 40s. No. But it's got that song that. <laughs> no, I mean, no, it, it, does
1: it, it. it, oh, does it. Oh, doesn't. it doesn't. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. yeah. That's right. Whoops. And also they had Monica grunt grunter go-go.
3: <laughs> no thanks. Mm. That's something that never seems to go
0: away, that there's all this grunting
3: in the tennis. It's power move.
0: Yeah. Uh, there was also the complete argument of Nolan and Laurie Donner. There we go. There's your Sylvania's yeah. water. Your
4: yeah. Water's <laughs> that should be volume one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
6: And and this is not referenced in the diary, just to be clear. There's no reference to this in the diary.
4: (laughs) No, there is no reference to this in the diary.
0: Oh, it's a shame. And there's also the great Martin Luther King speeches as performed by Rod Marsh.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that made me laugh a lot, that the idea of Rod Marsh being able to deliver, you know, liberation speeches for African-Americans. I
0: have
2: no (laughs) reference point for how Rod Marsh actually sounded. What?
1: Does anyone
0: not anyone like Martin Luther King? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and the day Peter Harvey's Canberra voice broke. <laughs> that was a good one.
2: The best one was the last one. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. The yeah. three tenors in flight edition. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Just as they get up to the pivotal point. You know, people, if you just look out on the left, you see pilots speaking, and... You'll
4: see Dubbo. (laughs) we are
0: always
2: Dubbo popping it.
4: (laughs) You might see the Dubbo globe prodders if you look hard enough. I think the three tenors in-flight version would be quite popular nowadays that not many people are flying. Just want to relive those moments.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so that wraps up Graham and the Colonel. And then we have the closing, which is uh, they go back to kind of like our entries for our competition uh, where the been a bit piss week, uh film your own Sylvania Waters competition and they had one entry and they couldn't even play the audio. So obviously they probably had a bit fair bit of uh, cursing in it. <laughs> okay, can't do it for the Which legal is, which
3: reasons. is which is kind of concerning because the footage is basically the parents on one side of the uh, 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 the parents on one side of a table uh, talking to a very young looking kid and if they're not able to play the audio of what they're saying it must be riddled with, with f-bombs or something oh i thought, forgot the I, bad thought language.
1: The,
5: I thought it was perhaps more that the audio quality wasn't quite right up to scratch and they had to come up with an excuse for why they couldn't play it but
0: yeah possibly uh,
3: I've, I've kind of got the feeling considering the other stuff that they put to air that's come from from handy cams and home home video I don't think technical quality is that much of a bar, really, to get yeah. it on, on TV.
0: So, after that, they wrap it up. There's an after credits, kind of like a Marvel thing, and where they have the elderly, elderly operations center complaining about the late show just finished up. So, and someone had said the word shit. It's, uh, I
3: think it's It's just the first time that we've seen something post-credits, really. And, uh, yeah, he's he's imploring uh, that he wants everyone on the phones right now complaining and he wants 10 letters to back chat. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do wonder whether like anybody having seen that, whether they did get a, a, a flurry of letters.
0: And then after that, they did the audience tickets with Tommy G acting like a nervous person, telling him to call the phone number if you want to come in and be on the show. Good yeah, right. yeah that's pretty funny. Yeah, so that that pretty much wraps up that episode.
3: Just about uh, now, did anybody spot the? There were actually two uh, not normal uh, credits uh, this episode. We had the usual Michael Hirsch one. Anybody see that one? No, I missed it. Okay, Michael Hirsch was in charge of the olden days continuity. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> so doing a top-notch job there. And the other one said uh, Closing Remark by Monty Maziels, which I don't think that... See, it was John that who was the head of the uh, Elderly Operations Centre, so I'm not quite sure which one was Monty Maziels.
0: That pretty much ends this podcast as well. So um, for this time, but we've still got Episode 14 coming out in a fortnight's time. Other than that, thanks so much, everyone, for joining again this was a fun one like all of them have been fantastic please don't get me wrong but because of the extra little bits and pieces depending on what ends up on the cutting room floor <laughs> i'll say <laughs> a little bit controversial but also very educational especially with house bat horror so again thanks to gavin wood for sparing time to have a chat and if you also want to enter the best quote thing you can get all the prizes i've just jested to the behind me that it's on webcam and no one can actually see. So, yeah, we've got those. i the episode to the start if you want to hear it again. But, uh, yeah, send them through to ChampagneLateShow at gmail.com or send us a tweet as well at TLSChampagne or go to our website ChampagneComedy.com or Facebook as well. Just look up The light Show. And you are more than welcome to actually do, quote Gavin Wood as well, you know, the view's magnificent, you'll bar up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that's it. So I just want to say thank you so much, Alison, Kim, Daniel, Prue, Tony. I usually do it in alphabetical order, but I totally mixed that up. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I really got to yeah. hit shuffle and say and go random bits. So, because Prue. Depending if Tony's in or not, you tend to be the last one when I call you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On that note, it's time to cue the music. <laughs> so, thanks very much again, everyone. This is Matt. Please, <laughs> I've lost. I'm lost for words. Have a good night. <laughs> See you next time on the Champagne Comedy Podcast.
1: Bye so everyone. Bye. Bye. Just forgot
0: the bad language. Shit.